Welcome. You made it to the Secret Society of Success. In this not-so-secret podcast, we interview L&D changemakers about how they approach the evolving corporate environment and cultivate their own careers. We hope that from their stories, you find lessons and inspirations to make yourself, your people, and your organizations more successful. In this first season, we're exploring the topic of hybrid learning, what that means at different organizations, why it is increasingly important, and how L&D leaders can invest in the right resources to best leverage it. In this episode, we're focusing on delivering hybrid learning to frontline employees. To discuss what that means and how to do it well, we've invited J.D. Dillon, Chief Learning Architect at Exonify, to join the conversation. Welcome, J.D. Hi, everybody. J.D., uh, I know you've got vast experience in the L&D world, but, but for our listeners who might be getting to know you for the first time through this podcast, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I've been doing this for 20 odd years at this point. And by this, I mean a blend of corporate operations management and learning and development roles. So the bulk of my career was really split between three different organizations. So I spent 10 years with the Walt Disney Company, which is why I live in Orlando, Florida, and I can hear the Magic Kingdom. So if anyone wonders exactly how close am I to Disney, I can, especially at night, I can hear the Magic Kingdom. So I spent 10 years in, in various different types of roles, doing some wacky stuff at Disney, including workplace learning and development roles, supporting cast members across the resort, so about 65,000-ish people. And then I went to Kaplan, the world's largest education company, where I was director of learning technology and development. So I handled our technology stack, our instructional design and content practices, and that type of stuff. And then about six-ish years ago at this point, a little over six years, I went uh, across the street to the provider side of the equation in learning and development and joined Exonify. I was actually a customer of Exonify when I was at Kaplan. I was uh, customer number seven. So I got to know the team early <laughs> on and then formally joined as chief learning architect a little over six years ago. And now I basically spend a lot of my time in the, the learning and performance space, talking to people, understanding what challenges they're facing, how they're overcoming those challenges, and then connecting the dots to what we do at Exonify to improve our technology, our content, our, our services, and our and our messaging so we can help, especially uh, frontline employees around the world in spaces like retail, grocery, manufacturing, contact centers, finance, and insurance do their best work every day. And that's why I do what I do. That's awesome. JD, thanks for the intro and the background. And obviously, uh, we've got an expert on our hands here. So look, really looking forward to digging into the conversation. Um, now that we've gotten to know you a little bit, I, I want to, for the sake of the audience, level set um, a couple of terms, uh, definitions from your perspective of some key terms that we'll focus on throughout this conversation. Um, so the first one is hybrid learning. What does that mean to you? To me, hybrid learning basically means equity. It means that it doesn't matter where I do my job, I get the support that I need to be able to do it as effectively as I can. So in a large organization, a, a dynamic company that has a global presence and may have hundreds to thousands of different job roles and people doing their jobs in very different ways. So uh, one learning and development or HR function may be supporting audiences that include people like me, who I'm sitting at a desk in front of an unnecessarily bright lighting panel right now. <laughs> so you may have to support me working from home, Simultaneously, maybe you support workers who are in a on the manufacturing line. You may support traveling salespeople. You may support people who are frontline in a retail-like environment. And in a, a true hybrid learning scenario, if we're really accomplishing what the term hybrid learning means, it means all of those people get the right support. They don't get the same support. 
right? Because the same support does not support all of those different people mm-hmm. because they do their jobs very differently. So in order to accomplish what we talk about in terms of a hybrid learning strategy, everyone in the organization needs to have equitable access to learning and support resources so they can do their best work, regardless of how that work is done. That's great. Thank you. That was a very thorough definition. I I really like the term equity and, and the focus on the equitable distribution of learning resources to all employees. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really good takeaway. I'm sure it's something we'll come back through throughout the conversation. Um, for our conversation, based on your focus at Exonify and what you guys do, we're going to focus specifically on delivering hybrid learning to a frontline employee. Um, so to make sure, I think it's a very commonly used term, especially in the last uh, 24 to 36 months, uh, given what everything that's been going on. Uh, but could you quickly define what would you see as a frontline employee? The simplest way I tend to break it down is it's the people who are directly interacting with a company's customers and or products and services. So from a consumer perspective, it's the people you talk to. So when you go to the grocery store, it's the it's the clerks that you interact with, the person who slices your deli meat, the person who checks you out at the cash register, the person who maybe brings your groceries to the curb to fulfill your online order. It may be the person who is dropping off uh, the package that you ordered online and as a delivery driver. It may be the person who packed that package in a logistics uh, distribution center or a warehouse, or the person who was on the manufacturing line putting that package together or that product together. So it's the, the people who are most directly facing the customer side of the business. So the contact center agent, the people who interact with. And when you do the math, roughly speaking, it represents about 80% of the global workforce. Because when you think of wow. large organizations, like a retailer, as an example, a, a retailer may have, let's say, 600 locations, and they have, you know, maybe a thousand people in the corporate team, but they have thirty thousand people on the frontline team. Right. So it's a it's the larger chunk of the global workforce, and unfortunately, it's also the most underserved part of the workforce when it comes to learning and support practices. Sounds like a challenge, but also maybe an opportunity uh, at the same time, right? Um, that's great. Thank you. I think that that, that will level set the stage for everybody. Um, and I think that those definitions, you know, where we're talking about the audience, uh, in an organization that's specifically directly interacting with the customer or the product, I think that's a great definition. Um, and you know, for the context of this conversation, we're going to focus about how to make sure there's equity in the learning environment so that those, um, probably harder to reach <laughs> physically uh, people in the organization. And as you well said, uh, historically underserved people in the organization, um, how are how are they getting the proper learning so that we do have an equitable environment? Um, so, you know, the world has had a lot going on in the last uh, 24 to 36 months. I'd love to understand from your perspective, uh, you've been working in the, uh, you know, uh, serving the frontline workers uh, through Exonify for uh, well before March 2020. Um, how has that environment changed in the last 24 months that, with all that's been going on in the world? So I, f- I think the first piece is to recognize the fact that businesses have realized the importance of the frontline workforce. I don't think anyone would have ever said frontline execution is not important to our business. But at the same time, I don't believe most organizations meaningfully prioritized that, which is why 
I said that they're often underserved when it comes to not just learning and support resources, but technology, broadly speaking, communication rewards and recognition, right? A lot of strategies that are often applied in a corporate environment or even in a remote environment often have not hit the frontline workforce. So the fact that we relied on that team so clearly for the last couple of years, we've always relied on them, but we noticed the last couple of years, the consumers noticed and organizations noticed. And then organizations noticed when those people went missing. So right now, everyone is having talent retention and acquisition problems. And that's especially clear in frontline roles now that employees have options, where before um, it didn't, high turnover didn't necessarily matter because there were people that were going to backfill those positions in a lot of people's minds. Today, finding those people is much more difficult because every retailer and restaurant and logistics operation is not only competing with Amazon, and not only competing against employers who are all raising their wages and their benefits, which are all positive things, but now they're also competing with remote work opportunities. And the fact that it's easier than ever for me to make a shift in direction when it comes to what I may want to do instead of going back to work in the restaurant that was closed for a while, I might not want to go back to that because now circumstances have afforded me a decision. And I'm making a decision and taking uh, opportunities that previously were not available to me. And then there's all you know other considerations around number of people who retired out of the frontline workforce. Um, so overall, I think organizations have now recognized how just challenging it is to run your business, not only when you're short-staffed on the frontline, but when you also don't have the right capability, the right skills on the frontline. Uh, because before you may have been hiring in people who had some retail background to backfill people who are turning out in those environments. Now it's harder to find people who have that experience, who are coming through the door with certain knowledge and skills. So now we have to look at, well, how do we not only close gaps within the operation so we can keep doors open, keep our stores open as long as you want to, make sure our specialty departments are open, make sure we're able to provide a differentiated customer experience that brings people back so they don't always go online or they go online to your channels. Um, But how do we get people up to speed quickly and replace some of that knowledge that walked out the door when turnover happened out of circumstance over the last two years. So I think those those factors and then the nature of how that frontline work is done has also shifted considerably. And everyone says things like, you know, the last two years have actually accelerated us 10 plus years when it comes to things like digital transformation and and that type of stuff. And that's true on the frontline as well, where I think the concept of digital transformation has lagged, you know, where people like us have, were Zooming before 2020, and now we are heavily Zoomed. Um, frontline employees often, you know, didn't see the same type of technology investment or didn't see the same type of impact to their work. But now more employees than ever carrying around handheld devices because they're fulfilling online orders and interacting directly with customers via chat applications. Uh, more and more organizations starting to recognize the potential for bring your own device strategies. And a lot of that red tape is starting to fall away. Um, the, the technology environment around the frontline workforce has shifted out of necessity over the past couple of years, which has accelerated the, that team's need to be able to have those types of skills, to be able to leverage technology in their work in ways that were, I'd say, more progressive on the corporate side before the last two years. And now they've caught up a bit when it comes to having a more digitally enabled day-to-day work experience. That's great. So uh, what I'm hearing there you know, as, as the, some of the key takeaways and changes, I think first is, is that realization from the company 
perspective of the true importance, right? A, a real, a, a level of detail about the realization and the impact that the frontline has on each and every organization that has, you know, a large frontline employee staff. The second being the really competitive work environment, right? A competitive labor environment. At the end of the day, that, that has created significant business challenges for the businesses with a high amount of uh, frontline employees. And then the third being the technological changes for frontline employees and changes in either business strategy or, or support for those employees uh, as it relates to access for technology. Um, so obviously those are three big pillars of change there. I mean, how do those, you know, jumping into the learning side uh, of things, you know, how is those three pillars affected how organizations go about delivering the, the skills and knowledge that those people need to get up to speed quickly? I'd say it's it's open doors because if you kind of take two considerations in mind and and, and the how do you overcome these considerations, which is one, like we said, you've got to onboard people quickly in a way that is going to set them up for success, make them feel confident in their ability to do this job, and also make them feel good in the decision that they decided to work here. So if you are historically uh, a company that might hire in a frontline employee and then sit them in the back room for two days for click next to continue e-learning because that's what someone said that they have to do. That employee might just leave because they have another option. This is not the only chance they have uh, to get a job that pays this amount with these types of benefits. And that's why in the past, especially in frontline employment, we often felt like the employee had to earn the right to work here, right? They had to earn the job. Now the job has to earn the employee. So there's the factor that you can't just sit someone, like people don't have time or the desire to do that version of training, whether it be onboarding or otherwise. Plus yeah. operators don't have the time to afford for that because if I'm hiring in people right now, it's because I need them right now. I don't need right. them two days from now. If I get them two days from now, I might not be able to open my entire operation today. Right. Right. The restaurant um, might open, not, might not make day one. <laughs> yes, we might not have all, we, our menu items might be limited, which is going to cut into my, my profits and revenue. So, so there is not an affordance to be able to do a lot of the traditional things we did when it came to tactics like longer courses, like putting people in a classroom, like the kind of just what traditional nature of, of workplace training looked like on the front line. And then you merge that with that kind of digital transformation reality, that technology piece where in the last two years, organizations recognized they can't reach their frontline teams with even simple messages, right? So when things started to change, there were a lot of executives out there who suddenly acknowledged, I can't talk to my staff, right? In order to get to my retail staff, I've got to send a message to corporate comms, and then they're going to deploy a message via email to the store managers. And then those store managers may or may not deliver the desired message on time? And will they get everyone or will they only get people who are on shift today? What about the people who don't work this week? Right, All of those things just bubble up very quickly as things started to change and people needed to keep people up to speed. And we're not necessarily talking about like learning and training. We're talking about baseline communication, quick updates, right? the things you need to know in order to be able to do your work today. Um, so that realization, plus the fact that frontline work became more digital and Devices were suddenly more available than ever before. Bring your own device became more uh, acceptable because people needed to reach their frontline teams to keep them up to date what was going on. That created new opportunity because now for L&D 
can reach the front line, where before to get to them, we had to go through that same game of telephone of, do we send information to managers and managers deploy the training and teach people, which they're not necessarily skilled in doing so? Or we've got to ask real nicely to be able to get people scheduled out of the operation for chunks of time, which before was hard and now is impossible. But now, because a lot of that technology has opened up and someone's carrying a Zebra device all day in the, in the hardware store, or they're able to use their own phone, or maybe the company's even deployed phones, we've seen personal devices deployed by frontline employers to employees. They're literally giving people phones in certain situations. That's a gateway for L&D to say, I can now reach the employee, but I have to rethink how I do that or how I design content, how I design activities, how I design resources, because I have now a digital gateway to the frontline to be able to get them information in the flow of work, but it needs to fit the flow of work because- right. Right. If my content library and all of my resources are built for a traditional delivery where I've got the person in a back room for two days, even if it's great content, they're not going to do it. They've got five <laughs> right. minutes. They've got 10 minutes. They've got the time between when they clock in and they have to hit their, you know, get behind the specialty department. How do we use that time becomes the question mark. But the great thing is that the technology gives us new options that we didn't have before when it comes to different types of content modality, different ways to leverage data, different ways to personalize the experience. So all of all of those things we used to talk about a lot with corporate employees around personalized, adaptive learning, uh, digital learning, all of these different types of things, all of those doors are now open for all employees uh, because of the way work has changed, the way prioritization has changed, and that realization that I need to be able to reach my employees and in order to, you know, cr creating that connection point can be leveraged by more than just the communications team and the executive team and managers. It can be leveraged equally successfully by L&D. That's, that's great. There's a lot there. Uh, sounds to me like this is likely, uh, based on the business dynamics you shared earlier, probably becoming a really significant priority for learning and development professionals with large frontline staff. 100%. And I think it... When we, that's why I keep coming back to the concept of equity, because yeah. we can't, one, we don't have to get rid of anything. I'm not saying you have to completely get rid of any practices that you're using today in order to provide an equitable experience, including frontline employees. It's more about a rethink. When you take a step back and say, what does the work look like, right? What is the day-to-day -day work experience for the audience or audiences you support? And what does that persona of, of that workforce indicate, or how does that direct how you adjust your support strategies? Because there may be different audiences within your workforce that have similar personas. So you may have um, frontline retail employees in your audience, you may have contact center agents, and you may have corporate team members, support center team members, some who work from home, some who work in the office. Well, if you look at the contact center employee and the retail employee, their jobs are very different, right? One is sitting on the phone, cannot get off the phone, be on the phone, you have to be on the phone. That's what yeah. contact center agents do. The retail employee is maybe working in a specialty store. Maybe there's like four other people on shift with them regularly. They're customer facing. They're constantly stocking and restocking shelves, you know, um, right facing uh, merchandise, executing tasks assigned by the corporate. So they, they don't have a ton of time either, but they've got a little bit more flexibility, but they're not in front of a computer and the contact center agent is. But the commonality is the fact that they're very operationally focused. They've got minutes in their day and you're not going to be able to schedule them out to attend a Zoom session, even though the contact center agents sitting in front of a webcam, potentially getting their time is difficult. So when you see the, 
the sim similarities between personas, they might benefit from similar types of learning experiences, similar types of content design, where the person like me, who's maybe the corporate employee, I can make decisions, right? I can say, I'm going to carve 30 minutes out of my schedule today in order to complete an online course in something that I am particularly interested in, but is not maybe something that has been prioritized by the company. So no one assigned me that training. On the frontline side, in the contact center example, they can't make the decision to say, I'm going to take 30 minutes today. Right. Doesn't, it doesn't exist. And if they go to their manager and say, I'd like time, that manager's got to find time because they're measured based on uh, call handling time, right? Yeah. They need to make sure people are there to answer the phone when the phones are ringing. So yes, um, we can take a lot of that dynamic out by looking at the personas that we support and figuring out where are their commonalities, where the same tools or tactics, technologies may work across different audiences, but then where are there such differences in how people do their jobs, the time available, the tools they use, the devices they use, that it requires a specific approach or specific tool to meet that, and then help the people that we work with, stakeholders, decision makers, IT, uh, compliance and legal, right? all of our friends, help them see those differences so they understand why we might need to make investment in certain areas or why the technology we use for the corporate team doesn't fit on the frontline because it's just not how frontline employees engage because of how they do their jobs every day. So rather than make it about learning and which is what's a good learning strategy, that's important to us. That's not necessarily top of mind for a lot of other people. Make it about what the work experience is like for different people and different personas and what we can do to help them achieve their goals. Because again, coming back to that earlier point, if, if the specialty department, the product team, right, the marketing team, whoever's trying to change behavior, whoever's trying to accomplish a goal or reach a KPI within the business, if we can say to them, I can help you connect to the people who are going to execute your strategy and help you achieve that goal, here's what I need to do it. That's the way we should be thinking about this story, about providing an equitable experience. And then learning is part of that strategy, but it's not about learning, if that makes sense, because everyone's trying to accomplish different goals. We're specialists in the learning behavior change side of the equation. We need to connect what we do to the personas of our audiences, to the goals and priorities of the people that we're uh, enabled by or that are our stakeholders. So connecting those dots is critical to delivering that equitable experience. And now a message from Mimeo, your podcast sponsor. Joe Sittler kept working past 8 p.m. on Friday nights. As sales development manager at Spring Venture Group, he was responsible for training hundreds of new salespeople every month on up-to-date, customized training materials. The problem was that his local printer couldn't handle all his document updates. For each batch of new hires, he had to spend hours emailing the printer about which pages needed to be replaced. Worse, he had to place his order at least a week in advance, meaning that sometimes he sent his new hires outdated information. That's when Joe found Mimeo. Now he creates workbooks nearly twice the size at half the price of his previous vendor. The best part? Joe's new hires order their workbooks directly from Mimeo for delivery to their doorsteps, taking all the hassle of shipping out of Joe's hands. His Friday nights are finally free. Read Joe's full story at bit.ly slash mimeoprint or call 901-566-8900 to speak to a rep today. 
That's bit.ly forward slash M-I-M-E-O-P-R-I-N-T. And now back to your episode. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? I think it's, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is it's about working with the stakeholder audiences that you're supporting, understanding their desired outcomes, and then trying to help facilitate that through learning rather than making learning or uh, a learning measurable the outcome. No, focus on the business outcome that that stakeholder that you're supporting is trying to achieve and then help them understand how you can facilitate, help facilitate that outcome through learning. Is that, am I hearing you correctly there? Yes. And I think the most important thing we can do nowadays as L&D, it's less about content and the things we make. And it's more about the channels that we can enable, the way that we can help the people who have information or the people who know reach the people who need it. Because the priority today is unlikely to be the priority six months from now (laughs) and unlikely to be the priority 12 months from then, right? It's a constant... The priorities within an organization are a moving target. And as a result, the knowledge and skill development requirements for the workforce is equally a moving target. Yes, there are certain things that are consistent, right? Workplace safety being one of them, right? That's a constant priority that we're always going to address. But how can we, instead of worrying about things from a programmatic perspective, right? Like how do we structure perfect programs? So people go from A to Z and that's what we're going to manage. Right. That just kind of puts us in this constant tailspin of, updating, updating, new thing, add, add, add. And then the program that was really nice in the beginning now is kind of this mess because you had to add 50 different things along the way because new stakeholder, this lawyer, this- New stakeholder, new change, new business priority. Yeah. So instead of starting there, back out and say, okay, so what are the channels that we can use, right? If, If the executive team needs to reach the front line with a timely message, can we help enable that channel? Right, because that channel already exists in the corporate workforce. It's Microsoft Teams or it's Slack or it's email. When that channel doesn't exist, how can the same message get to the front line? If we need to deploy uh, skill update training or we need to deploy product update training from the product team, like what are the delivery methods that fit into each of our audience's realities, and how can we enable those channels? Whether it's installing the right technology, uh, looking at different types of content methodologies, talking about things like micro learning so that people know how we can reach these different audiences, right? These channels are there and different teams can use them. And then we get involved when it's the right project. So when it requires instructional design, right? When there's complexity involved in terms of what people have to learn and the fact that they have to kind of practice and retain information. When we have to pull out our bag of tricks, we're available to do that. But instead of trying to always be the middle person in the story, we focus our limited resources and capacity on the right projects. And then we enable others to step in and say, it's okay if the subject matter expert builds content and deploys it to the audience. But what we don't want happening is every subject matter expert putting together the worst PowerPoints you've ever seen, and then just tossing them over the fence at the same time at the same person who can't sit there and figure this out because none of this is designed to help them, right? Everyone's got their own priorities and they're hitting the same employee with them. And that employee's already got way too much to do. We can protect that experience by establishing better channels and working with our stakeholders to say, this is the best way we can enable this person. This is the way to reach them. We'll even, a lot of, in my past roles, a lot of my uh, capacity was put on training subject matter experts to write 
certain types of content to put together a video that was going to be delivered towards the audience so that we're protecting the limited attention, the, the limited capacity of the of the employee audience and enabling people who have information to reach them when they need to. And then only when we have to get involved from a structured training perspective, do we build content and resources and activities because we can't tackle every challenge at the speed that things currently move. So we have to resource accordingly, which is why I think in a lot of cases, we have to put the channels in place, get out of the way, and then step in and support when it's the right thing to do. JD, those are some great takeaways. I think that that also offers a great segue to another area that I want to I want to dig into. But I think you know, hopefully, the audience uh, got a lot from that. I think there's a lot of valuable insight as it relates to stakeholder management and you know, getting the right focus for the role of learning and development in the organization, especially because all organizations, as you as you well put, are always going to have moving targets. The goals, the goalposts, it's 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 not in the same place. It's not as easy as a uh, you know a soccer game or a football game where you know it's 100 yards away and it's not going anywhere. That's that's not how it works in business today. Um, you mentioned something earlier. You know, you talked about the challenge of when you enable uh, different subject matter experts and the, the potential challenge of every single subject matter expert in your organization creating their own beautiful, lovely PowerPoint and driving it down the, the throat of the, the frontline worker or the frontline learner uh, all at the same time, right? You know, you, and you mentioned earlier that those same employees, as you well put, are very time limited, right? The, the amount of time that they have, um, and frankly, maybe even desire that they have to focus their energy on learning or, or developing a skill versus just completing their tasks and, and getting out the door is, is really limited. So how does a learning and development professional navigate that? Like, how, What do they do to get learner buy-in, to get that audience you know, truly engaged and, and participating in, in the training that they're offering, whether it be through subject matter experts or something they're facilitating directly? The biggest key is relevance. So for as Exonify, for example, what we do is we ask frontline employees to log into Exonify for maybe five minutes every shift. That is a big ask. We know that is a big ask when they have so much to do, especially in a limited staffing environment. And like you said, people have different priorities, different goals, different. They're there for different reasons. So in order for that five minutes to, to matter, that five minutes has to be relevant to me, the employee. I, I have to get something that's going to help me. And no matter why someone is there, I firmly believe, and, and having a background in operational management helps me make statements like this. I believe everyone wants to do a good job. I don't believe everyone wants to make a career out of this. Right? They don't necessarily want to be with your company for 25 years. However, today, they want to do a good job. They want to be safe. They want to get hurt. They don't want a customer to yell at them. They want to be able to answer the question. Right? They want to feel good about that. So if that five minutes can be spent helping someone feel better about their ability to do the job, helping them feel more confident, helping them feel like they're clued in, they have the information, or helping them feel like if they are interested in pursuing other avenues and opportunities that they have, they're being invested in, right? That learning how to do the job better, building new skills and knowledge is part of this. And maybe it's not in a lot of other jobs or other jobs they've had in the past. And it's actually a factor that contributes to them wanting to stay. 
and do a good job in, in this organization. So it begins with relevance that every time someone accesses learning resources, every time someone logs into the plat- a learning platform, they get what's useful to them, not what everyone got because, well, that's what was sent out today or yeah. someone required everyone to take the training. And that's where things or concepts like adaptive learning, personalization, data, and measurement, all of that comes into play because technology does allow us to figure out you know, for you today, what's the best thing that we can work on with you today, as opposed to the person next to you, maybe has a different area of need or a different interest. So we're going to focus on something different with that individual. Even though you do the same job, we want to make sure that training is hyper-relevant to you so that every time you come back, you get something useful and you say, this is worth my time. It's not just something my manager asked me to do and definitely not doing it because some L&D person I've never met asked me to do it, right? It's something that's helping me. And then on top of that, you can layer in additional tactics, especially from the beginning, because the idea of relevance and value add is very much intrinsic motivation, right? We want people to do the thing because they want to do the thing, not because I asked them to or told them to, or because I um, tricked them into doing it. Right. We want learning to be something people are invested in and own themselves. And that comes from relevance. But at the same time, sometimes you have to get that attention or find other ways to start building the habit. Because one of the things we talk about at Exonify is building a habit of everyday learning, making something that, you know, creating an experience that people can complete once a shift. And it becomes just, it's not something you've got to ask about. It's just something you do, like all the other things you do at your your job every day. It's just part of your teeth in the morning, just part of the job, right? So how do you establish that for people who maybe haven't ever thought about workplace training that way, maybe in their previous jobs, training was once a quarter, they put me in a room and they tell me all the stuff. And no one actually learned, or I have to sit in the back room for multiple days in onboarding. And then after onboarding, I don't really get much when it comes to development activity. Or maybe this is my first job and I think learning looks like school, right? Because school, you, you go to a class for a period of time and it's over and you're done learning that. That doesn't look like workplace learning, especially to me. So how do we get people out of that mode of learning as a place and a time to learning as a continuous habit and activity? That's where tactics like gamification come in. So it's about layering in these different mechanics and understanding your workplace culture and the people you're supporting so you can craft an experience that makes sense for your audience and your work environment. And then use these types of mechanics and, and an experience that's simple and straightforward, right? So it's not hard for people to find it it's not hard for people to get to content. I once asked my team in a previous job, how many clicks does it take to play a video in our learning management system? And the answer was seven. And I said, how many clicks does it take to play a YouTube video? One. One. What do you think is going to happen here? Right? We're being judged <laughs> against the bar of consumer technology, not just workplace yeah. technology. So if you craft an experience that's easy to get to, right? I, in the flow of work, if I'm holding a device as part of my job, can I get to my resources on this device rather than having to put this device down and go to a place I never go to in order to experience training, right? We've already lost in that scenario. So is it easy to get to? Is it easy to understand, right? I don't have to click through a bunch of menus or click through a bunch of websites that I don't know in order to get where I need to go. And then when I'm there, Is it an engaging experience that may, again, bring me back for different reasons because this is, dare I say, fun to do, right, every day? And then ultimately, is this helping me? If every time I come into the learning platform, it helps me remember something 
It helps me learn something new. It helps me, oh, I didn't, I never thought about it that way. If you get that experience every day, then learning becomes part of work. So that's what it takes to engage a large distributed workforce. In a lot of cases, a workforce that L&D rarely physically sees, right? If you have 75,000 employees and 40 people on your L&D team, you never interact with most of your employees. But how do you understand their day-to-day experience enough so that you craft an experience that makes it feel like to that employee that the person who put this together understands me, what I go through, what my day-to-day looks like, and what I need. And the right combination of things like game mechanics, data, AI, personalization, mobile technology. It's about bringing all of the things we've been talking about, often in isolation for like the last 10 years, bringing all of those pieces together because that's what it takes to provide that equitable experience we're talking about. And it is, unfortunately, more challenging for a distributed workforce that in large numbers that work in different regions, different countries, like you said, very time limited. Those are a lot of meaningful challenges. But I've worked with organizations where we figured out how to provide an equitable experience to a person driving a moped in a country that I've never been to as part of a (laughs) ride-sharing service where the person's carrying an Android device that you can't buy on the on the internet. Uh, the only way to test your application on that device is to eBay old devices. And they also <laughs> don't necessarily have great internet connection and there is no Wi-Fi on the back of a moped. So if you can figure that out, how to get that person relevant support that they'll use every day, everything else suddenly gets a lot easier. So it's always interesting when people will ask me, and my team, you know, we have limited bandwidth in our retail stores, right? The bandwidth's all taken up by the point of sale system and business processes and whatnot. Like, and our e-learning always like buffers for like 10 minutes when people are trying to load it. Like if, if we can reach someone via cell service on an Android device that's 10 years old, who's riding a motorcycle in a country none of us have been to, I think, I think I can handle your retail store. <laughs> so it's it's big, it's making sure we can we can handle those types of environments because just you know I think the overall message is it's possible you can reach everybody it just requires the right amount of effort and investment in order to make sure you're architecting experiences that make sense for people and not expecting them to come to you we have to go to them and that is now fully possible for different types of workers. I love that. There's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack, but I love the I love the thought. First of all, I love the possibility in that example of of reaching the uh, the worker on a Android device that you can only get on eBay on the back of a moped. And, and if you could do that, you know, th- there's a lot that can be accomplished. I love that. That's very hopefully should be a very motivating message for the audience. I think that there's a lot of value uh, in that concept that you shared of maybe start by focusing on making learning for the frontline employee, a habit and start by having a clear focus on how do I accomplish that first? And once I've accomplished that, then I can start to add levels of complexity to what it is that they're learning, right? But I have to cross that bridge before I can even get to the second bridge uh, to be able to make sure that, you know, the program or the content that I'm putting together ultimately um, is something that's effective. I think that's, I think that's really great. I guess to wrap up with a, with a final question, if there was one takeaway that you would hope uh, a learning and development team, let's say at a large uh, retail organization with uh, 500 locations and, and frontline employees and a contact center, um, you know, people working in a store, 
if there's one takeaway that you would want them to take from this conversation and you could only pick one, what would that be? It would be that you can accomplish a lot in five minutes, right? Five minutes does not sound like a lot in learning and development, especially when we're used to, like you said, very complex products, right? Very complex training programs, onboarding experiences that take weeks in a lot of cases. And you, and you back up to, well, what can you really learn in five minutes? You're not going to learn how to fly an airplane in five minutes. I completely <laughs> agree, right? And I'm not saying it's only five minutes. It's the only, only version of training we ever do. An example of frontline employees uh, in a retail environment, there's a lot of hands-on training, right? There's a lot of peer-to-peer training, manager-led training where you are physically doing the job. And that's a huge part of the story. None of that goes away. But like you said, when it's grounded on this foundation, that we're going to help incrementally improve people's knowledge. We're going to reinforce people's knowledge that there is something about learning that is built into the workflow, whether it's a push experience that I get, you know, push that right fit activity I'm going to focus on today, whether it's I can use my handheld device to pull up information when I need to, when I need to solve a problem. When we embed the experience of learning into the day in this way, it changes the way you talk about workplace learning. It changes the way that you value these ideas because you're opening up this channel that you can then, and and building this habit that you can leverage as things change. So instead of having to try to get people's attention every time there's a new program, every time you want to train them on something new, you've got to go through the rigmarole of how are we going to schedule people? Right? Can we? Re- How long is it going to take? We got to make a spreadsheet so we can send out to the managers mm-hmm. of the people who are delinquent, so we can make sure we get a hundred percent. Right? All of that starts to become less and less of a burden when you think about how can we build that habit to say, "What are you going to do for five minutes a day?" And the other thing that I didn't mention before is that when you think about learning in terms of minutes instead of programs, you're actually closer to how learning really works. Because you can create a great two-hour online course. It could be the most dynamic and engaging piece of content you've ever seen. People are not going to remember most of it, <laughs> right? Unless they immediately walk out the door and start applying that information and that drives retention, right? Great. If you can deliver it at the moment of need in that way, we usually don't have that luxury, especially at the scale of trying to support 400,000 people who are all in very different places when it comes to their development and when they're going to maybe deal with a particular customer objection or they're going to handle a particular product or try to upsell a particular thing, right? It's all very uh, unpredictable in that way. So when you distill it back down to say, instead of trying to hit everyone with a fire hose of content because I can only access them once in a while... Instead, if I can reach people for five minutes a day or five minutes a shift, I can incrementally grow their knowledge, right? I can say, we're going to focus on the foundational pieces, and then you might accelerate in that five minutes a day much faster than the other person next to you. And we're going to spend some more time on the foundation with that person. But here, we're going to accelerate you forward towards additional information, towards new skills that might help you pursue additional opportunities. But when it's, when it's grounded in five minutes a day, learning becomes a habit learning becomes part of the culture. I love that. I think that's a great takeaway. I I really like that. And the other statement that you made that I think that sums it up well too, is think of learning in minutes, not in programs. I think that's, that's a fantastic takeaway. And, you know, I think it's one that, you know, hopefully the audience can absolutely use for the frontline employee, but frankly, I think any, anybody that's receiving learning and you're right, that's, it it works in in time, not in, (laughs) not in programs or, or, or courses. Um, JD, thank you so much for your, for your time. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think it's been very enjoyable. I'm sure the audience has 
pages and pages of notes. I know I do. Uh, if anybody in the audience wants to hear more about what you are doing or what Exonify is doing or, or get more of the valuable uh, content and information that you shared, where can they find you? Sure. You can find out more about Exonify at exonify.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search JD Dillon. There's only one I in my last name, despite what everyone seems to believe. Um, <laughs> and then also I, I'd recommend that uh, every two weeks on Wednesdays at 1130 Eastern time, uh, I host a live stream uh, with Exonify where we bring on smart people from across the industry. In 25 minutes or less, I ask five questions about a very pointed part of the story of workplace learning uh, and experience. We talk about things like retail transformation. We're talking about games and learning with Carl. We're going to talk about the skills story with Danny Johnson from Red Thread. So I urge people, if you want to dig into more of these types of themes, uh, check out our LinkedIn live stream. That's every other Wednesday, 1130 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and you'll see plenty of me, from me on LinkedIn sharing when upcoming episodes will be airing. And you can find it, all of our recorded episodes are on YouTube as well. So if you go to Exonify's YouTube channel, uh, you can check out our past episodes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, JD. Uh, I really appreciate your time. This was a very uh, enjoyable and um, informative conversation for me. So I really appreciate it. And I know our, our audience will. Um, My pleasure. Thanks so much and uh, have, a, have a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody. The Secret Society of Success is hosted by Mimeo, The Better Way to Print. Check out our sister podcast, Talk of the Trade, for tips and tricks for sales and marketing leaders. Visit www.mimeo.com for more information.